Hey everybody, this is Troy, one of the pastors at First Church of the Nazarene. Thank you for listening to the podcast. It is a glimpse into the life of our church. We are ordinary people being transformed into passionate followers of Jesus. And we are committed to join God in the remaking of all things. I pray that this sermon is a blessing and helps you join God today. If we can serve you in any way, we would love to. Please get a hold of us at lafayettenaz.org. Have a great day. Well, good morning. Welcome to worship. My name is Troy. I'm privileged to serve as one of the pastors here. You can go ahead and have a seat. Thank you so much for joining with us. We are in the second week of a sermon series that we have called The Good Fight. The Good Fight. Because we recognize that there is an enemy who has come to extinguish life. An enemy, as the scripture says, who's come to steal, kill, and destroy. And we serve a resurrected Jesus who is at the same time pulling us and beckoning us so that our lives can be remade to look like his. And it's a fight. It's a struggle. And so last week we... We said that um, we're going we're gonna to take the next six weeks during Lent, and we're going to talk about what it means for us to fight against evil, to resist the devil, and to fight the good fight. This is week two of that sermon series called The Good Fight. And I've heard it said that every Christian, the birthmark of every believer, is a bullseye. So when we become a Christian... We gain a heavenly father, but we don't just gain a heavenly father, we also gain an enemy. And because of that, the Bible instructs us to, quote, not be ignorant of the devil's schemes. So that's what we're doing here over these next six weeks. We are examining the schemes of the devil to extinguish life. And we want to expose them to the light so that we can walk in the freedom of our new life in Jesus Christ. So last week, this is what we talked about. Last week we said, this is what the devil does. This is his first scheme. He accuses us. He accuses us. And this week, we're going to talk about how the devil deceives. How he deceives So from the beginning of Scripture all the way to the end of Scripture, the Bible refers to the devil as the deceiver, as the deceiver. And here's a couple of examples. The word Satan can be translated multiple ways. It comes from a word that means deceiver or liar. Revelation chapter 12 calls the devil, quote, the deceiver of the whole world. John chapter 8, the words of Jesus, he calls the devil the father of all lies. And here's the thing, I just want to kind of connect some dots for you. Some of you, at some point in time during your journey, you may have worked through some pain in your life. Maybe you worked through that pain with a friend. Some of us worked through that pain with a counselor. And we might have come to understand that that pain that we worked through was the result of a lie that we had believed and that lie originated in our family of origin, with like, like with our mom or our dad. But let me connect the dots here for you. That lie that caused us pain, 
may have come through our mom or our dad, but it came from the devil, because the devil is the father of lies. And your mom or your dad can put a lie in your ear. It's the devil who lodges it in our hearts. And here's what's true. When we believe lies, it can destroy our life. Believing a lie can really hurt us. And some of us are in this room today, and we never really tried our best in school. Like, we didn't actually apply ourselves. And here's why. When we were young, at some point in our journey, somebody told us we were stupid. And we believed that lie. And so since we believed that lie, we thought to ourselves, why would I even try if I know I can't succeed? This is the scheme of the devil. He wants to plant a lie in our mind that lodges in our heart so it can destroy our life. The devil wants to plant a lie in our mind that lodges in our heart so it can destroy our life. Some of us, when we were young, we were taken advantage of and we were abused. And as a result, we struggle with intimacy and relationships. Here's why. When we were abused, instead of understanding the truth that it was someone else who took advantage of us because something was wrong with them, we began to believe the lie that we were being abused because something was wrong with us. And the devil wants to plant a lie in our mind that lodges in our heart so it ends up destroying our life. This is a scheme of the devil. So if you would, turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. And let me set up this passage before we read it. Now here's what's true. We know this is true. We get our physical DNA from our parents. We inherit our genetic, our physical genetic code from our parents. That's where we get our physical DNA. But we get our spiritual DNA also from our parents. And Adam and Eve, spiritually, are our first parents. And our first parents believed three lies. And because our first spiritual parents believed these three lies, it was like replicated into the genetic code of humanity for all time. And we've been struggling against three, these three lies in the human heart ever since. I want to point out those three lies for you as we turn our attention to God's word in Genesis chapter 3. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word this morning? Genesis chapter 3, we're going to read verses 1 through 6 and then jump down to verse 8. This is the word of the Lord. The snake was the most intelligent of all the animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say that you shouldn't eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the snake, We may eat the fruit of the garden's trees, but not the fruit in the middle of the garden. God said, Don't eat from it. Don't touch it, or you'll die. And the snake said to the woman, You won't die. And God knows 
that on the day you eat from it, you will see clearly and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the woman saw that the tree was beautiful with delicious food and that the tree would provide wisdom. So she took some of the fruit and ate it and also gave some to her husband who was with her and he also ate it. During the day's cool evening breeze, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the Lord God in the middle of the garden's trees. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. You can be seated. Three lies that we're prone to believing. Three lies that Adam and Eve were prone to believing. Three lies that humanity will always be prone to believing. Here's the first. The devil wants us to, bring, to believe that sin brings life, not death. The devil wants to deceive us and wants us to believe that sin or doing something against the will and the intention and the law of God will bring life to us and not death. And we know that's not true because the psalmist says that the law of the Lord is perfect, and here's what it does. It revives the soul. And the New Testament says that the commands of the Lord are not burdensome. God, God's commands are good and life-giving. But here's what the devil does. He comes alongside of us, and he whispers into our ear, you won't die if you break the law of the Lord. In fact, you will be like God. Or in other words, that sin won't kill you, it will give you life. It's spring, I think, soon, and um, um, so maybe a fishing analogy will help. This is what the devil does. He presents the bait to us, but he hides the hook. When he tempts us, He will get our imagination to focus on and exaggerate all of the pleasures, but blind us to the pain. Here's how he does it. He reveals to us and has us exaggerate the momentary sexual bliss, but hides ten years of seeing your children only on the weekend. The devil shows us how good it would feel to just let your anger explode on your child. But he hides the years of lost relationship. He shows us, he shows us the bait, hides the hook. He shows us just how good it would feel to drive off the lot in a car you cannot afford. But he hides the years of debt anxiety. He, he shows us the bait, but he hides the hook. If we take Genesis chapter 3 at face value, every senior saint that is in the room this morning will give this an amen. They will say that this is true because of their life experience. In the end, all sin turns out to be trading paradise for an apple. Trading paradise for an apple. And some of us are in sin's grip because the devil is whispering in our ear, you won't really die. You won't die. You can keep drinking like that. You won't die. You can keep clicking on that. 
your marriage won't die. You can keep talking about them like that. Your friendships won't die. But listen, that is a lie. The devil has been a liar from the beginning. When God says don't to us, what he means is don't hurt yourself. That's the first lie in this story. That sin brings us life instead of death. Lie number two, and Bible scholars have pointed this out for centuries, that when the devil says to Eve, you will surely not die, you will be like God, it's two lies folded, sandwiched together in one. It was a lie about the nature of sin that we just talked about, but it's also a lie about the character of God. The devil was saying, God didn't give you this command to protect you. Here's what the devil was saying to you. God gave you this command to restrict you. In other words, and here's the second lie. God is not for you. He's against you. He doesn't want to give you life. He wants to make your life difficult. And Adam and Eve believed that lie. So that's why when they sinned, they ran away from God and they tried to hide from God because this is the lie that they believed. God is against me. He's not for me. He's against me, not for me. And if we believe that lie, and many of us do, many of us believe that deep down into the heart of God, he's looking for us to trip up so that he can come down upon us with his wrath. If we believe the lie that God is against us and not for us, we will spend our entire life keeping distance from God. So there's this great story. I know I'm jumping from the Old Testament to the New Testament. There's this great story in Luke chapter 16. It's a story about a time that a leper came to be healed by Jesus. And so Jesus is there and there's kind of a crowd of people around him. And there's someone who has a disease, an ancient disease called called leprosy. It was a disease of the skin. And it was brutal and nasty and deformed you and it just looked horrible. And, and, and the leper wanted to be healed by Jesus, and so he came up to Jesus, and everybody, everybody ran away. The leper came up. Now, this is how it was supposed to work. So in that day, in that culture, a leper had to keep... Let's hold on, I've got to count this out. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine... 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, Michael Jordan, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 50, did I count right? 50, 50 paces, this is the distance that a leper had to keep from anyone else. Or else, if they got closer, that person would run the risk of being defiled. Fifty paces was the prescribed distance that someone who had the skin disease of leprosy had to keep from anybody else. So in the story, Jesus is there, and the leper wants to be cleansed, and the leper wants to be healed, and everybody else in the story is running up to Jesus But the leper was keeping his distance. If we believe that God is against us and God is not for us, we will spend our entire life 
50 paces away from the presence of God. This even affects this lie that God is against us and God is not for us. It affects how we read our Bibles. There's this beautiful verse of scripture in Isaiah chapter 65. The verse, as I came to memorize it, says, All day long, this is the words of the Lord, All day long I have held out my hands to an obstinate people. And if we believe that God is against us, how we understand that verse of scripture is, God, all day long I have held out my hands against an obstinate people. But that's not, that's not the word of the Lord in the context of the Bible. It's more like this. All day long, I have held out my hands to an obstinate people. God is for you, not against you. And when we realize that the lie that the devil has been whispering to us, that God is against us, when we realize that's been a lie this entire time, it changes everything. Some of you are here this morning and you're not yet a follower of Jesus. And again, I'm so glad you're here. You will always be welcome here. This is not a community of people who gathers together in a huddle because we think we're so good. This is a community of people broken, understanding our brokenness, who gathers in the presence of a God that we think is so good. If you're here this morning and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I just want to communicate clearly the heart of God. He is not against you. He is for you. But when we believe the lie that God is against us, that God wants to banish us to hell, when we believe that lie, what we fail to understand is that God is more eager to receive us into his household than we'll ever be ready to be received. We begin to understand things like the way that God talks about himself in Zephaniah, that God sings over us like a mom holding her newborn child. When we understand that God is for us, that he's not against us, we remember that we can run to our Heavenly Father when we've messed up, as opposed to hiding from him when we discover the issues in our life. That's lie number two that the devil wants to lodge in our heads so that it becomes lodged in our heart. It's this. God is against you. He's not for you. Here's line number three. Did you know, notice in this passage that before Adam and Eve sinned, before they chose to disregard the law of God and eat the fruit that they weren't supposed to eat, before they did that, they felt no shame. In fact, um, the Garden of Eden was like this ancient nudist colony where they were naked and they didn't even realize it. But after they broke the law of God, the first thing they do is hide. And they're ashamed. And here's the truth. Our bodies were not designed to bear the weight of that kind of sin. When they sinned, they hid, they were ashamed. Do you know what shame is? Shame is when you take your issues and you turn them into your identity. It's when you take your issues and you turn them into your identity. And that's what the devil wants to do to you. 
Now, what we have to understand is that Satan is, in fact, real, but so is the Holy Spirit. And both Satan and the Holy Spirit point out our sin, but they do it in drastically different ways. The Holy, the Holy Spirit points a finger at our sin and says, that, that is unacceptable. The devil points a finger at our sin and says, you are unacceptable. The Spirit will come alongside of us and say, look at what you did. That's not who you are. Satan comes alongside of us and says, look at what you did. That is exactly who you are. You will always be, you're nothing but, so here's the truth. The spirit wants to produce a hatred of sin. The devil wants to produce a hatred of self. He wants to take your issues and turn them into your identity. But hear the word of the Lord. You are not your past, no matter how bad what you did was. You are not your sin, no matter how deep the transgression. You are not your affair, you're not your abortion, you're not your divorce. And you might say to me, but Troy, that is the biggest thing that has ever happened in my life. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. If you are a follower of Jesus, the biggest thing that has ever happened in your life is the death and the resurrection of Jesus. That is what defines you and nothing else. You're not your obesity, you are not your abuse, you are not your bankruptcy, but you are also not your successes. You're not your 401k, you're not your salary, you are not your graduate level degree, you are not your daggum Instagram likes. Only Jesus gets to tell you who you are. So how do we walk in freedom from the lies that the devil wants to hand to us in order to entrap us. How do we do that? Here's the key. We have to learn how to become people who recognize the lies and replace them with truth. Romans chapter 1 says that what's wrong with us, what's wrong with the human race, is get this. We have exchanged the truth of God for a lie. We flip them. And how we get freedom from that is we exchange the lies of the devil for the truth of God. So some of us are here this morning and there is this lie that is holding us captive from following God in our life. And there might be a sin in your life and the word for that sin in your mind is exciting, but God wants to exchange that lie for the truth. It's going to bring you death. So come on home. Come on home. Some of us, there's a lie that's holding us captive, and the word, the lie that the, that the devil has given to us is condemned or stained or dirty or unlovable or punished, and we need to exchange that lie for the truth of God 
That he is the God who will leave the 99 to seek out the one. That though we are weak, yet he is strong. That even though we are powerless, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. We've got to exchange the lies that are handed down to us for the very truth of God. The devil from the beginning of time has been someone who wants to deceive us. His scheme is to accuse us and it's to trick us into believing what he's always wanted us to believe. He wants to whisper a lie in our head so that it lodges itself in our heart and ends up bringing pain and extinguishing our life. But the spirit, the resurrected spirit of God has come to us to set us free, to exchange the lies of the devil for the truth of his word. I'm going to invite the worship team to get ready to come forward so that we can respond to the word of the Lord this morning. And I think that there's some people here who have some work to do to exchange some stuff. The devil's really crafty, and he's really, really good. And what he's able to do better than we, I think we even understand, he's able to use the past that we've the past experiences that we've had that are hurtful or painful, and sometimes it's self-inflicted. We did it. Sometimes it was what was done to us. And he replays that like a highlight reel in our head. And he uses us, to tr- he uses that experience to trick us into becoming the kind of person who finds ourselves far away from God. And it's real. It's real. There is pain in this room this morning, and that pain originates from a lie that has become lodged in our hearts. And there is nothing more that God would love to do today than to set you free from that. There is nothing more that God would love to do than to reveal to you the truth, that that is not who you are, that may have happened to you, It may have been done to you. You may have done that. And that pain is certainly real. But it's not who you are.